Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you're listening. Welcome back to AI and the Future of Work, the longest running and most downloaded podcast about the topic. We've hosted over 140 conversations with technologists, CXOs, investors, and journalists, and uh, we asked them to share their perspectives about what's ahead. I'm your regular host, Dan Turchin, CEO of People Rain. But uh, today's a special episode. We're turning the tables. My friend Ben Brennan, longtime IT exec, great guest on the pod, and CEO of QStack, had this crazy idea to guest host the show. For the first time, I get to be a guest, I get to be on the hot seat, and uh, Ben's gonna interview me. I assure you, uh, you're getting an upgrade. Uh, I've been excited to record this one for a long time. Host Ben Brennan, uh, go ahead and take it away. Well, Dan, um, welcome to the pod. <laughs> it's nice to have you. I believe you are a returning, uh, a returning attendee of this pod, so not a lot of introduction needed for you, but um, I appreciate you letting me um, switch roles a little bit and mix it up. Variety is the spice of life, so um, hopefully this gives variety to the audience. But let's get right into it, actually, um, because like you mentioned at the beginning, this is one of the most downloading, downloaded podcasts in the space. There's tons, like I think literally thousands of people listen to it every week. A lot of people, like heavy hitters as well. And you're such an awesome guest. You always make the star of the show your guest. So you've done Lord knows how many episodes. We, I know a lot about you, but I'm not convinced that everyone knows a lot about you. So will you tell us a little bit about you, Dan, your background, and how you got to where you are today as CEO of People Rain? I've learned so much from the guests over the years. So my first job out of college was as an industrial engineer working for uh, Walt Disney. And as an employee in a large organization, I was so passionate about my work. I helped design a lot of the iconic attractions and love my team. But there were some things that I hated about work. I quickly learned that the days when, uh, this is a long time ago, we didn't have laptops, but the days when my computer wasn't accessible or uh, I couldn't get a file or for whatever reason, you know, I was not able to do the work I love. I went home and I was kind of grumpy and I kind of didn't like work and I kind of took it out on my employer. And at the time, you know, just a little back of the envelope math said too much of my time is being spent doing things I hate and too little of my time is being spent doing things I love. So at that point, I devoted my career to become my life's passion, to use technology to make experiences at work for employees better. And I'm convinced that we're going to get it right. So People Rain's the seventh company that I've started in and around applying the principles of AI and machine learning to improve employee experiences. And I firmly believe that uh, the, 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 the true north is when we no longer force employees, like when I was an industrial engineer at Disney, to adapt their behaviors based on how technology works. Instead, the technology is smart enough to adapt itself to the ways people actually work. That's the vision behind People Reign. And I'm, I'm convinced that a decade from now, Ben, when, when, you're, uh, when we're doing another turn the tables, we're going to be really proud of uh, having created a different work environment where employees are doing more of the stuff they love. And as a result, we just have a globally more excited, more engaged uh, base of employees. I'm actually really glad I asked that. That makes me um, so happy to hear. I remember, like, as you know, I was a psychotherapist, and my favorite class, probably the only class I remember in grad school, was this one where 
we'd already learned the theorists. So it was like, you know, the, the last year class and we actually studied their autobiography. So actually, or their biographies. And so we actually got to learn like, Oh, Freud, I won't get, get into it, into the weeds too much, but apparently like when you read the background of people, it makes a lot of sense what they invent. And um, I love hearing that. And I love you, you asking that question on most of the podcasts. But what I also love is that you're one of the people that actually saw something that was annoying. You were not the first person to be annoyed at work. I don't think, <laughs> you know, but you saw something that was annoying and you did something about it. And I mean, that's what I did with it. I was like, does, I don't think it has to suck. I think it can be cool, you know, but that's really the entrepreneurial spirit. And it, it makes sense why you've been very, very successful. Um, you know, you can't judge people that, you know, worked for years and years and didn't do anything about it. But the fact that you devoted your life to do that is amazing. And how about this, this podcast? How did this get started? So a few years back, I had some role models and I would constantly be peppering them with questions that would help my team innovate, inspire us. And we do this in the form of kind of like a lunch and learn series. We bring in a series of executives. One of the early guests in this podcast is a friend of mine named Mark Settle, seven times CIO. He was actually the CIO of BMC Software when I got acquired into BMC Software and around 2009. Mark and I became friends. I really respect him. He's written two great books, uh, Truth from the Trenches and Truth from the Valley. And so I asked him to come in and meet my team. And uh, it went so well that I decided there are a lot of Mark Settles out there uh, that, that we could drive inspiration from. And if we're going to be able to transform the employee experience, we really wanted kind of this rich set of sound bites that would inspire us to, 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 to achieve this vision that we had. But one thing led to another, and I realized we should be recording these conversations. <laughs> I mean, these are some really iconic leaders that are willing to come in and you know, spend an hour with us. And I felt like me and my team were getting so much smarter. We wanted to, we wanted to share that knowledge with the world. And so uh, it, eventually we decided, you know, we'll just press record and uh, just share it with the world. And, and one thing led to another. And uh, all of a sudden, 140 episodes in, and we've We've created kind of the, the the definitive repository of what people think about the future of work. It's so interesting. I think about there there are literally. It sounds like I'm making it up, but literally there are some podcasts and you know episodes and 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 podcasts out there that have changed my life just because of the one little nugget of truth. And is is it an interesting? You'll never know who that is, but just by the numbers alone, that's necessarily happened with this podcast. Literally has changed life because you decided to press record. And I mean, to me, that's way cooler than an, an acquisition. I'm sure the acquisition was fun. I hope to be acquired someday as well. But uh, I mean, doing something that matters is, is so cool. And how many episodes has it been? Do you know? Do you have a ballpark? Uh, this will be in the 140s by the Whoa. time this one gets published. And we're just getting started. There's so many amazing people out there that are willing to share their stories that as long as great guests are willing to come and hang out, then uh, I'm certainly more than happy to do the work and, and share their stories with the world. Well, this peek behind the curtain, I feel like has already met or exceeded the ticket price. Like I real, I, I'm just stoked in general, just being here, not even, you know, listening to it. I knew the questions already and I'm stoked to hear the answers. This is really cool to see, you know, what is happening and, and, and how this got here, because this is a, you know, you don't have to toot your own horn, but I'll toot it for you. There's some heavy hitters on this as guests and as, as listeners in this podcast. And it's so cool that you're sharing that. What, what's the biggest thing? And you, you answered a, a little bit this and alluded to the fact that you have learned a lot, but is there something like specifically that you've learned yourself on this journey, whether it's from 
talking to Dion Hinchcliffe or, you know, whether it was like, you know, about audio recording, hopefully something a little more like AI related, but, uh, you know, what have you learned on this journey as a podcast host talking to just some brilliant folks? One of the things that has been most inspirational is hearing from just like I said earlier, my, my role models, my heroes and hearing their perspectives, but kind of to a point you made earlier, not just their perspectives, but how they've taken their vision, their life's mission and, and turned it into something that creates value for humans. And so I think a lot about what I've learned in terms of technology, you know, what I've learned about some of the most amazing companies out there developing some of the, you know, what I'd call the most progressive technologies. But the things that endure really are how amazing thinkers are turning big ideas into ways that will make humans better. And so I, I will always come back to on this podcast, what we're really about is not technology, but it's about people. And I think when we, when we really feel like we're making progress, whether it's on the podcast or people ran or anywhere else, I feel like it's when we've achieved the right kind of balance between using the, that combination of human and machine intelligence I feel like a lot of what we do on the podcast is unpack the layers of apprehension and fear. You'll hear me talk a lot about, you know, the bot apocalypse, but I always try to counter that with, according to the World Economic Forum, by 2025, AI will have created a net new 27 million jobs. So we talk a lot about on the podcast about just pragmatic ways to take that little bit of wisdom and help the next generation understand what are the skills to be investing in that are future-proof? What are the careers that are being created by AI? And I think if, you know, if there's one kind of enduring impact of, or one theme that, that runs through a lot of the episodes is that, um, that, that, that marrying of the top-down, kind of the academic vision of the future of humanity with this kind of bottoms-up, very pragmatic approach to things you as a listener can do to take into account what some brilliant thinkers are doing to make your life easier for the next 20 to 50 years. Love this conversation. I want to make this a multi I might have to have you on the pod to continue because I know this one's limited in time. I guess one not serious question at all. You said, you know, you're just getting started with the podcast. I had a friend who asked me that and I'm lying. It was really me. I just don't want to act like I'm asking you a stupid question. Did you ever think about actually creating an AI to run this podcast and doing kind of like a dread pirate Roberts thing where, you know, you've long gone, but there's always like a Dan Turchin that is giving this, you know, is that your idea for like the new, just getting started in the podcast? Or do you think you're going to hang on to the reins a little, a little bit longer? One of the most interesting or unique episodes we've recorded is with, their, with Dr. Mark von Rijmanam. And uh, Dr. Mark uh, is uh, known in social channels as the digital speaker. So uh, we recorded a really interesting episode where uh, Dr. Mark kits out in, in a full-on uh, uh, AR VR sensor gear. So like a, like a, like a suit, right? Whoa. And we're recording, we're recording the episode and um, it's, it's translating his body language, his, his voice, et cetera, um, into video. And so when we publish it, it's one of the only where we've published uh, video as well. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of that Dread Pirate Roberts moment like you know could could ai run a podcast i don't know are there are there tasks that could be automated we're, we're well on the way 
you know, organizations like Spotify now, you know, generate billions of dollars in podcasts. It's not because, you know, the traditional way that we would record episodes a decade are still the case. There are phenomenal technologies that we as podcasters can now use to optimize audio quality and do certain kinds of, uh, you know, NLP for, for filtering and things like that. Um, one of the things we talk about a lot are the skills to be investing in that are never good candidates for automation. And I would maintain that to publish an interesting podcast requires more than, you know, just, uh, this isn't, uh, we're not reading the news, right? It really is kind of this human interaction, like what we're having today and things like empathy and, you know, judgment and creativity and rational thinking. A lot of times it's a human element that makes for a good conversation on a podcast that I don't think ever is going to be outsourced to GPT-3. But I think the quality of podcasts and our ability as podcast hosts to be able to more rapidly publish more great content, that I think will be aided by AI. I love that. I think that's a thread that, especially in the enterprise space, using AI. And I love your ideas about, you know, augmentation and really like augmenting your work rather than replacing it. I think that's uh, a message that we, we need to, to, to really just get out there in the IT world, in my space especially. And kind of speaking out, I guess, getting away from the pod and back into really what this podcast is about is AI and the future of work. Is there a, like a thesis or a hypothesis that sums up like what you really think about the future of work? You know, you obviously, you know, you, from your days at Disney, you're like, I'm going to, you know, do something about this. You know, you've run several successful companies with great exits. You obviously are an expert in this field. I don't know. Is there like a thesis that drives you? Like even, even like maybe even a non-consensus idea that people don't believe in. Like, is there an idea that's like, that's in your head that you carry around that you're like, this is important. This is why I go into work every day. I believe that technology will soon give us as humans back an hour a day to be better versions of ourselves. And I just imagine in an eight hour day, let's say, you know, 12 to 13% of your day, you get back to be a better father, a spouse, be at your kids' soccer game, recitals, et cetera. That's the true north for us. Every line of code we write, every feature we spec, it's because we genuinely believe that as bold of a vision as it is, you take the next billion employees and you give them 12 to 13 hours of their life back to love what they do and be the best versions of themselves. That's a world I want to live in. That's the world I want my kids to grow up in. And when I think about how to operationalize or turn that vision into a set of technologies or a product or a roadmap, I come back to a story from one of our first customers. It's like everything ultimately must, in a space like this, even though we're a technology company, it must ultimately tie back to humans and human stories. And I met Yvonne in a call center in Bossier City. It was a couple of years ago. And Yvonne uh, was a, a, we call him an L1, a level one call center agent, addressing problems from a, a global, uh, is a federal agency, uh, addressing 2 million uh, employees that, that, whose tech issues were coming through that helped us. Yvonne was one of 140 agents. And I met Yvonne. Uh, she was six months into the job. She had a, a two-year associate's degree, not in a tech, a tech field. And when Yvonne picked up the next call in the queue, they were just round robbing the calls. She had 30 seconds to pull up a knowledge article and respond to the user's question. 
Um, now, something that uh, other than Ben Brennan and people who've been steeped in this for a long time don't appreciate is that when an employee calls the help desk, they think that there's some all-knowing being on the other end of the line right. who just kind of magically knows the answer. You know, just the IT guru is sitting there meditating and waiting for them to call. In fact, that's not the case. Y- Yvonne, her the worst part of her day is when the phone rings, <laughs> which is ironic for a call center agent. So we introduced Yvonne to people, Rain, and we showed her how that 30 seconds spent doing the research and pulling up the knowledge article, it didn't have to induce fear. You know, she didn't have to wake up in a cold sweat because, you know, literally there would be a countdown on her screen. And, you know, Ben, the psychologist can probably appreciate how bad of a practice that is yeah, <laughs> in terms great. of, right. In terms of, you know, making Yvonne love her work. So clock's ticking down and we showed her how uh, with an application called People Rain Recommend from now on, when she gets, this actually happened, this, this is real when I was there. Um, this was in fact in the days when there were still some Blackberries out there. Caller on the other end of the line had a question about the APN setting for her Blackberry. Uh, this poor kid, Yvonne, didn't know if it was a fruit, a mineral. Right. <laughs> it certainly wasn't a device, right? Um, and she's just swimming upstream while the clock counts down. And I showed her, I, you know, I said, pause, you know, in the future, here's what's going to happen. People Rain Recommend is going to come up using NLP, natural language processing. It's going to understand what the user is asking. It's going to pop open the right knowledge article and it's going to curate it. So it's going to extract, not, it's not going to deliver to you a PDF. It's going to actually extract the answer from the PDF showing you how to update the APN setting on a BlackBerry. And Yvonne was, you know, sweating bullets because she'd just come off this call. She saw in the future how it would work. I didn't know Yvonne before five minutes. She turned to me, she gave me a big hug. And she starts crying. And I just had, you know, this, this moment of revelation where there are, uh, you know, a billion Yvonne's out there and a billion people with problems with Blackberries. And w- we can actually put a little debt in the universe if we turn every, every call center agent into an inspired Yvonne, who's now the best version of herself. And we turn every problem, every employee with a Blackberry issue into someone who feels motivated and empowered and had a great experience as an employee with their service provider. They got back to work sooner. Like that's the world that people reigns creating that that's why we do it. And I, I just think about the ripple effects of the mental health too. Like it just, you know, like, yes, you get your time back with your family, but we are in a mental health crisis. Like I, I just walk outside and you like, people are not in a good mood, you know? And uh, it really does happen. You know, like, you, you can do all the, you know, the, all the ERGs and all the, you know, initiatives at work you want, but really it's like a natural ripple effect of like, you know, what's, what's, what's happening everywhere outside and inside and, and giving her, yeah, not the time back, but also making her feel not stupid at work, you know, like that's a big deal. And I, when you're saying that, I kind of, I almost got sweaty eyed too, just thinking about all the technicians that I've been privileged to work with. And, you know, like, it was so hard because I typically, I'm a kook, so I typically would hire like baristas or anyone else. I'm like, we've got enough like nerds on the help desk, you know, like, let me get some people that actually went to prom and can talk to people, you know, <laughs> sorry, nerds. I'm a nerd too. But uh, really when you solve that problem of, you don't know how, you don't have to know what a BlackBerry enterprise server is. I remember the first day at Yahoo, I was riding up on the, I was still living in the city. So I was riding the little, you know, bus that everyone hated in the mission to the South Bay. And, you know, I was calling up to get everything set up and I called the help desk and I'm like, Hey, I just want to set up my two factor. And the super nice girl, she, she answered and she was like, 
oh yeah, 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 sure. Hold on. And it's great. And by the way, you know, welcome. I see your new employee. Welcome. And then she's like looking around and then like, you know, I don't know, 10 seconds, 30 seconds later, she's like, listen, I don't think we have a two factor. I don't, and she, she obviously didn't know what, what it, what it was, you know? And I, and I, and I, and I felt so, so bad. And, and she, it was before that it was the best and still the best experience I'd had with a help desk person. So like when I got there, I like went to the office and obviously we focused on the knowledge base right away. But uh, I mean, it's just, I love that AI can, we think about AI helping people at work, but AI can also help bring in a more diverse population, which is a huge problem in every industry. You know, hiring IT, I always had to go outside of recruiting, right? To, to actually get a diverse uh, hiring pool. So I, I love that. I, I love that probably more than talking about AI. But um, to get to this utopian vision where we are saving everyone an hour a day, like it's not just you making a company, you know, it's not just me, you know, figuring out how to measure experience. It's kind of a group effort. And I really like that a lot of people on this um, that listen to your podcast are VC, CXOs. And if I can put you on the spot and kind of put them on the spot too, what can VCs do? We'll start with VCs and investors. What can VCs and investors do to kind of move that vision the right way towards that cool utopian vision? And what can they do to F it up? And like, what, what's your message to them? Like, hey guys, we've got a great future we're going towards. How can how can their role actually um, actually help or or hinder that uh, mission? So we've had some of the best investors, just iconic investors on this show, and I'm always so so honored when you know they're willing to come and share their wisdom. Uh, Rory O'Driscoll from Scale, a friend of the podcast, a personal friend, uh, Ashu Garg from Foundation Capital, a number of others that have really d- defined careers for millions of people through the investments they've made. So how can VCs help? Well, they can help by not thinking about venture investing as financial engineering. And instead, like Ashu and Rory are two good examples. There are many others. But instead, thinking about problems that the world needs solved and going out and finding entrepreneurs that share a passion that can solve those problems. Uh, Glenn Solomon from GGV is another one. Uh, he and Ashu both tell great stories about how they hustled. I mean, these are not fat cats sitting on Sand Hill Road, you know, uh, counting their Teslas in the parking lot. They hustle. They work hard. They had a vision. They had a thesis. They cultivate, in some cases, entrepreneurs. You know, they go out and find entrepreneurs, scour the globe. They build teams. They put in the work. So how can VCs help? They can really think about how not to be financial engineers or spreadsheet jockeys. Instead, find a problem that needs fixing. Go put teams together. Go be part of executing on a vision that relates to a big problem that you think needs solved. Yeah, I, I, love, the, I love the bias towards action on that. You know, not the, let me get in what's hot or let me like close whatever deal is going to sound good on paper that I can talk about. You know, think about people, someone who I don't think you've had on this podcast that I will put you on the spot. Katie, I hope is going to be on this podcast soon because we all know she has amazing stories about being a doer and making things happen. And I think bias towards action is something that as a, as a founder and an operator, I would love to see more in VCs. Um, Katie, so who is listening, will uh, we'll be on an upcoming episode. Good idea, Ben. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, th- I'm out of good ideas. I think that's about it. So we're close to wrapping up. That's a good thing. I do want to squeeze in a few more questions. People rain. I, as a musician, I've spent years of my, probably at least weeks of my life 
thinking of band names, song names, album names. How did you come up with People Rain? Did you like just put your finger in the dictionary? Did you make up a story about it? How did that name come to come to be? So as a fellow musician, you can appreciate uh, my love for the little man in the crushed purple jumpsuit. So this Absolutely. is a not so veiled allusion to, uh, to Prince, may he rest in peace. But aside from that, we firmly believe, and you, know, you can tell just by everything I've shared about you know, my personal passion and the mission and, and, and the vision that we have at People Reign, that we believe technology is great and it is the power to transform. But we never, ever want to forget the fact that people reign. Everything we do is really about bringing the power of technology to bear to make humans better now and into the future. And we feel like, you know, alluded to it earlier, but the way we put a little debt in the universe is by achieving this harmonious balance between what human intelligence can do when it's augmented by machine intelligence. And that genuinely more than my love of Prince. Uh, we do often party like it's 1999 at People Rain, but more than that, uh, it really is a commitment to making humans better with technology. I'm so glad I asked that question. I'm really, this has been a great episode. I don't know. I wish this was live so I could get audience feedback, but I'll tell you what, man, this is my top 10 and I've listened to a lot of these. So and Ben, isn't this one where you wish, uh, we, 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 occasionally we should publish video as well and not just the digital speaker. Cause like the, the, the vibe, no one can see your body language and. Uh, the guitars that you have in the background in, in, the, in your home office and just the, you know, the, the humanness of this conversation sometimes can get lost when it's audio only. But uh, it's so much fun because these are things that I know you're as passionate about as I am. Yeah, I think Dan's able to see that I actually am. And I, I come across sometimes because I can get a little complimentary, complimentary with an eye. Like I come across as like phony, what I've heard. And I don't know, maybe I'm a phony. I don't know. But you could I know Dan can tell my face like. I'm really loving this conversation. Just it's, it's what we all want to do. Like, I mean, those of us that want to make the world a better place, some people just want to make money and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like I've been poor many times and I get the value of making money, but just actually making the world a better place and then doing it, not just talking about it, but doing it. It's just, it really fills me up with, uh, with, with it's inspiring, you know, and, and the cool thing about when we're inspired and, and people hear our voices they'll get inspired. The, the most inspiring thing is hearing someone else that's inspired. So I hope that, you know, some people out there are inspired to, you know, or encouraged to, yeah, like life is short. You only get so many minutes on this earth and you don't know how many you get. So put a dent in the universe and hopefully a good dent on the, on, on the good side, you know? Um, one question that I always ask everyone and then, and then we'll wrap. Um, as a scientist, as a social scientist, I consider that a scientist. Some people, engineers would disagree sometimes, but I'm always focused on what are my assumptions that I'm making, especially when I'm building, if I'm building a program or putting together something big, what are the assumptions that I'm, that I'm making that I'm not aware of? Because assumptions in science, like it's not helpful, right? It's helpful to start, you know, as, as clean as possible. Are there any, and I imagine there are, are there any dangerous assumptions that IT leaders should avoid when they're implementing IT in the enterprise? It's a great question. And the first assumption that I think in IT we've uh, perhaps even to a dangerous degree have made to the detriment of the employee experience over the many years that you and I have both been doing this is that 
we tend to not give the employees the benefit of the doubt. So employees are not the enemy and they Amen. don't want to have, Amen, they don't want to have technology problems. It turns out uh, they don't want to be treated like a ticket and they don't want excessive downtime. They're there to do a job and they, they want to be the best version of themselves at work. And sometimes in IT, we don't catch them at their best moment. And we, we are too quick to blame them or you know, feel like uh, they should have known better than to call us. And that's the wrong attitude. So one of the things like, you know, shared the example of Yvonne, but we make IT the best version of itself when we bring to bear through interesting technology advances like AI and machine learning, when we can make it easier, ease the burden on IT to deliver the best answer immediately, the right answer the first time, we feel better about ourselves. Like you said, you know, whether it's the mental health crisis or, you know, we use this cliche, the great resignation or employees disengaged, no place else is that more apparent than in IT. Think about what the last two years have done. Every employee just became a satellite office of one. That creates a really high new burden on IT. And nobody said, you know, look, there are 10,000 new satellite offices. We're just going to add 10,000 new people to IT because that just seems fair, right? In fact, IT headcount was cut as workloads skyrocketed. And yet we still expect, you know, when we call the help desk, someone cheery who's, you know, you know, got every answer at the tip of their tongue is going to answer the phone. And so I, I think, you know, for IT to appreciate what it's like to be an employee and for the employees to appreciate what it's like to be in IT, I think that's kind of the vision that it's, this is not Pollyanna stuff. This is stuff that can be fixed by understanding patterns in data. All AI is a data problem. Data is inherently biased. So there's some smart ways that we need to manage the data to make automated decisions. But when we understand what is required to unlock these latent answers stored in the data, then all of a sudden, this relationship, it's always been a little frayed. Let's just say it. It's always been a little frayed between IT and the business. That will go away and it will go away quick. And you said the word right there, relationship. It's 100%. There's... A guy named Emmett Keefe. I, I don't know if you know him. He's a he's a. I'll have to I'll have to look him look him up. Um, just like I listened to this podcast that he he did, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when I was, um, you know, just went back when I had free time. I vaguely remember that back when I had a K E E F E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing dude. I think right now he works for like uh, uh, Insight Partners doing Insight Ignite. But he was telling a story where he traveled around like, you know, the country, met all of these CIOs, and this was a while back. This was like. I don't know how long ago, but at least 10 years ago and traveled around and met CIOs all over the country and was asking them, you know, like, what are the problems? What are the hangups? And not even like almost, I think he said all of the issues really boiled down to IT has a hard time understanding the business and the business has a hard time explaining what they need to IT. The same problem that, you know, you have with your spouse at home and your kids and your, your friends, it's all relationships. And I think when it becomes okay to start using words like empathy and relationships at work, we'll probably get there a lot faster. <laughs> I know we have to wrap and in honor of your amazing question that you ask everyone, or you ask a lot of people at the end, 
I've got to know from you, what is the one workplace behavior that will be commonplace in a decade that seems like science fiction today? This is going to sound like heresy to my former employers, BMC and uh, ServiceNow, but we're rapidly going to enter what I'll call a post-ticket world. Amen. I think, I think like if non-IT people were listening, they would be like applauding in their seats. Like <laughs> that is, that is, I can't wait. It's, uh, it's such an antiquated artifact. It's not the way humans work. It's the thing that most dehumanizes us at work is when not only are we treated like a bot oftentimes or like a ticket, but to be assigned a ticket and have to track it when I just want to send my email. I, you know, I just want to, you know, issue the proposal, get, you know, be online, do stuff I love. And when that problem gets distilled down into a seven digit number, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the best version of myself. So I, I talk about within the next decade, intelligence will be ambient at work. So think about, I walk into my building and based on my role, my profile, my geography, things like when I need a conference room and how big it needs to be and what the temperature of the room should be and where I should print to and as a guest in a building, how to get on the guest Wi-Fi network. These are not hard technology problems. And we have sensor networks that today are readily available to capture that information and deliver what I would say is an exceptional employee experience. We haven't brought it to bear yet, but the post-ticket world is one in which the environment is smart, intelligence is ambient. And to your point earlier, uh, when people are afraid that you might, that might remove jobs, you know, just think about like, I always think about Henry Ford and the Model T, like he created the ability to be taxi drivers and mechanics and, and factory workers. And before that, when the horse before the horseless carriage, it was a horse carriage and the job was what? Like cleaning up horse poop. So I think it's going to be better. So just uh, come on. But uh, this has been amazing. I can't thank you enough. I'm going to reluctantly hand the mic back to you to close out the show. But Dan, um, thank you for letting me ask you these questions. I honestly will probably listen to this three times. Like you're a really special person and I, I really appreciate you um, putting this pot out and just being a good person, man. So um, I'm signing off here. Thanks for putting up with me, everyone. And uh, I will pass the mic back to the true host of this podcast, Dan. Ben, this is a brilliant idea. I had so much fun doing this and uh, you can take my job anytime. Uh, this, is, this is a lot of fun. And please take me up on the offer. Come back. We'll either co-host or you can, uh, you can grab the reins again. But, uh, but for this week, this is your usual host, Dan Turchin of AI and the Future of Work. Uh, signing off this week, but uh, of course, we're back next week with another fascinating guest. <laughs>